Welcome back to Better Advertising with Better AMS. I am your host, Justin Knuckles, and today I finally have my co-host, Destiny Wishon, alongside me. Welcome back, Destiny. Super excited to be here, as always. I should not say welcome back because we've kind of been on our own podcasting worlds on the back half of this year. You've been interviewing your people, I've been interviewing my people, so I'm glad we finally get to uh, reconnect before the end of the year. We have definitely divided and conquered. We've had some incredible guests, but the chaos of this year has definitely required us to divide our attention. <laughs> yeah, it's it's divide and conquer, and we've definitely done that this year. So we're getting together today to really look back on this year, challenges, growth opportunities, just kind of a self-reflection um, on our thoughts on this year, and also looking forward to next year. So um yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts just kind of at a high level. Like, what are your thoughts on, we'll call it like our Spotify wrapped. What are your thoughts on the wrapped 2023 um, for better AMS? Well, starting high level, I would say that this podcast was a 100% we're going to see what happens. And it's been really fun. I've learned a ton about interviewing. I've got to connect with some incredible individuals. You know, my original vision was kind of twofold, like, hey, yeah, we want to continue pushing Amazon advertising content. That's all we've done for the last five years. That's what our LinkedIn presence is built on. But I also love the opportunity to connect and learn. I've struggled keeping up with both growing as an entrepreneur and growing as an Amazon advertising retail media expert. But I found that interviewing others on the podcast is a fantastic way to hit two birds, one stone. I get to learn a ton from the insane expertise that's been brought on. And on the flip side, I get to create content, which is pretty much my dream world. So it's been a really nice efficiency driver for us. And I think we've learned a ton. I will say, I think we have a lot more coming and a lot more growth in the next two years. So for everyone that supported us in this really scrappy start, thank you so much. We're going to improve and it's going to be much better in 2024. Yes. Thank you for sticking alongside us through the growing pains of this podcast. But uh, like Destiny said, I think we uh, learned a lot. We've, we've met with some incredible guests this year and, and excited to like really 10x those efforts next year um, with this podcast and, and everything else better AMS related. So um, hint, hint, wink, wink, things to come, some big news to come. Some big news to come. It's going to be a crazy 2024. Um, with that said, what are some of the most significant milestones you think that we hit um, looking back on a high level for, for the brand that's better AMS and and the podcast even I'm going to start for the brands and really give a shout out to our team Justin you included a hundred percent I would say the biggest evolution we had this year was the team growth I mean we've always been good at Amazon advertising education we've always been decent at Amazon advertising management I say decent because there's a lot to keep up with in this space but I have never felt so secure and confident in the team that we have. I mean, you go onto LinkedIn and you see Adam's posts, Justin's posts around their areas of expertise. You hop on the podcast and you hear Justin communicating about Amazon advertising strategies. You go to YouTube and you see all of G's content and the team's content. And being able to combine both the industry thought leaders and setting the standard for excellence but also on the flip side, knowing that you are leading the way directly hands on keyboards and accounts is an amazing feeling. And that foundation is what's going to allow us to scale, right? 
I think uh, historically, a lot of our presence and reputation has been built on some of the strategies that I've recommended and that I've influenced within the community. But I can't keep up with it all. And I know that's feedback we always get as well as like, well, who's managing my account? And I'm like, hold on, (laughs) hold on. Let's just intro you to my team before we ever sign a contract because you are incredible. And a major shout out to every single one of you because I think you are going to be building the foundation that's going to just 10x this next year. Yeah, I mean, thank you so much. And I need to echo everything you're saying for for everyone else that supports around me. Um, I mean, it's... I can brag on on my side of things because obviously we we it makes sense to brag to clients that we have a great team. But like for me, selfishly, like it makes working alongside everyone else, just knowing that we're experts around the team. Like, hey, can you help me out with this? Can can you throw in some work here? Um, you know, it's going to be executed the best it can. Um, so yeah, it makes me feel really good with the team around me. Um, but yeah, like you said, we're we're very different than other agencies. We're we do have some software that we've built, but you know we're very like you said, hands on keyboard. We're we're human management, so that is a huge foundation for next year, I think. Um, with that being said, what were some of the maybe biggest challenges that you can remember from this year, aside from the the huge team growth, which was huge positive to our growth? Um, our growth. What was some of the biggest challenges this year? A lot of growing pains. <laughs> I think uh, for the first time, I was really challenged to grow into that entrepreneurial seat and have to give up some of what I've always considered to be my biggest advantage in the space, which was being as hands-on keyboard and as close to Amazon as I was. I mean, I'm still managing some of our accounts or at least have heavy strategic involvement in some of our accounts, but I had to learn how to be a leader and a manager and how to communicate. I think that was a really big one. I think you could probably speak to us as well is we've gotten so much more clear on our vision recently of, Hey, this is what we're growing into with that. We had to learn who our ideal client was. That's been a difficulty. You know, the clients that maybe built our business in the early days aren't the clients that we're going to manage in the best way possible nowadays. We've really grown into being amazing for brand builders, thought leaders, you know, long-term thinkers. And some of the brands that maybe we had managed historically didn't fall into that profile. Maybe they're a little bit too small. And we've built so much of our company on the premise of give, 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 and trying to help and assist and, you know, lead content and consult but that is almost backfired a little bit because we had to learn how to say no this year. We had to be like, you know, we would love to work with you. You're an amazing entrepreneur, but you're not at a stage of business that's right for us. And that was really hard. We had some difficulties cleaning up our funnel, turning people away, maybe signing some accounts that we shouldn't have signed because they just weren't ready for our style of strategy. And on the flip side, internally, I would say figuring out and defining our culture as well. I mean, this has been a journey. I've been in the space for seven years. I wasn't planning on being an entrepreneur. So when I first got thrown in, it was like, this is fun. Well, you can't build a company on, well, you could, but you can't build a company solely on fun vibes and uh, energy. So we got really clear on the style of culture that we wanted to develop. And as mentioned, it's it's uh, surrounding ourselves with A players and letting them do what they do best. But there's hurdles with that. It's it's going to be a difficulty next year as well as, you know, helping us hit scale with our hiring process, our onboarding, our training, and making sure that no matter what we do, our quality of service does not decline because that's something I'm not willing to give up on. I want 
my cake and to eat it too. I wanted to continue to scale as quickly as possible, lead content education, but also have a quality of service and a reputation that people don't forget. Absolutely. And I think I think that's huge uh, for why it's so important that we found our, our ideal client is because the quality of service is such a high bar for us when we hold ourselves to. You know, we don't want to not give what we can to those those brands that aren't trying to build their full funnel and scale in a category if they're if they're very focused on margins or, or day-to-day products um, being in stock. You know, we want to provide that level of quality of service, but that's not what we're suited for at this time. So I think that's been huge for, for both sides to give them the right partners and for us to have the mental sanity to, to give that best level of service. Yes, 100%. I mean, your clients are probably the the ideal that we've been trying to model, right? They're, they're really strategic. They are great at R&D. They're great at creatives. They are building brands that work with the top influencers in the industry. I mean, we some of your brands have some of the best celebrities representing them offline, right? But that style of relationship building requires a lot. I know multiple of your accounts, you are flying out for QBRs and you hop on weekly calls and you are basically 24-7 connected to email during Black Friday, Cyber Monday. And that's the level of service we tried to apply to everyone. And then we realized not everyone can afford that level of service. So we need to either figure out how to adjust our pricing or improve our efficiencies. And I think what we landed on is, you know, this is the level we want to provide. Some of that cannot be done in an efficient manner with brands who can't afford it. And that was a difficult line to walk, I think. And, and maybe you just answered it for what I'm about to ask next, but what what one or two decisions um, did you make this year really had an impact on our growth and our trajectory? Um, if we haven't seen the growth yet, like what has set us off in a new direction? What one or two decisions you think um, really changed that for us? Zeroing in our culture and deciding to say no to a lot. Um, we had a lot of opportunities, I think, at the, the beginning of the year to take on brands that maybe we weren't quite ready for. Whether, you know, smaller brands that are constantly coming through the pipeline and wanting to work with us or larger brands that we just can accommodate some of their needs. We decided to take a step back and really focus on, hey, we have to build a culture and a foundation that we can build upon. And in the short term, we're going to have to sacrifice some revenue growth in order to make that happen. You know, again, it's a balance. If we put too much work on our team, then they may leave us. But we're also trying to prepare for the future. And every entrepreneur who's listening probably knows what that struggle is. So I'd say like the biggest thing was taking a step back and defining our three to five year goals. So that way we can make sure we're building that foundation now and not getting caught up in shiny object syndrome or the revenue dollars. Uh, The second piece I'll say is the team did this on their own, but giving them the power to go out and build their own brand, build their own reputation in this space. And it takes a lot of trust, right? I know there's a lot of agencies, a lot of companies out there that are like, don't go build your personal brand. Don't go do things on the side. And that can be really scary because of course, as everyone starts building their personal brand, they're going to have more opportunities. But for us, that's an exciting thing to see people within our organization grow. And ideally, we can take care of them while that's happening. So again, I'll shout out Adam, who's really gone all in on also building his LinkedIn presence. He's spoken on multiple podcasts, multiple webinars, things like that. 
And that's allowed our whole team to just grow on a personal development level that is obviously going to be mutually beneficial for the business. I mean, everyone on the team, I think everyone, even like head of tech has signed their own deals in the last year because they built their own personal brand. And that is insanely, insanely exciting. So those are the two things I think probably made the biggest difference for us this year. Do you have anything that I missed? No, but I will say like on the receiving end of what you just said, like the the vision helps so much through um, taking on more is is knowing that long term goal. I think it's it was easier for me to get bought in, right? Like not having this grayness to what the future is and hey, just get through these next couple months. Like that's that's really tough for anybody. So, you know, the fact that we we have a vision um, and we can see where we're headed, it, it all makes it worth it. And then, you know, the culture, like you said, that's what that's what keeps us around. Like, you know, a players can can find anywhere to work. But the fact that this is such an amazing culture is like, I think, at least why I stay, I think why all of us stay, it's you've you, you been hanging out in Seattle at Accelerate and we have like five air mattresses because everyone wanted to be squeezed into one house because of the vibes and the energy is that would you consider that a pro or a con of this year <laughs> the the truth comes out this is how better AMS uh did Seattle no it was it was it was fun yeah on the point of travel it was uh we did a lot of it this year, so I mean that that was a good one with the team was uh, was Seattle, and we also did um, Vegas right at the beginning of this year at Prosper. Um, client trips in between, so we've been on the road a lot this year. What are your thoughts? I mean, looking back on those trips, we did Accelerate, Unboxed, and Prosper pretty much as a team. I think all mm -hmm. three of us met up, and then there was a lot of mingling in between as well. Uh, you and I met up very frequently um, to hang out with our best pal, Eddie. Big shout out to Special Ed on Instagram. <laughs> furry friend down there in Florida? Yeah, it's a furry friend in Florida. We, we try to meet up with clients as often as possible. And, you know, coming, reiterating your, your comment about meeting up with the team, meeting up with clients, is, I think uh, a principle that mattered a lot to us was relationship building. And going back to that first question of what made a difference for us, again, relationships over revenue, you know, revenue will come, but the relationships and the friendships we've created in this space, I think really stand out and have made a difference for us. It's being able to leave people feeling better after having a conversation with us, whether it's a weekly call with a client or flying out for a QBR, it's really making a difference for people's business. I, I want to give a shout out as well to that. Yeah. I mean, to anyone that's worked in ad agency or client management to any of extent, we all know you show up some weeks and there's just not a lot to talk about. So having those times where you can just talk life with your clients and, and, you know, sometimes clients need to vent about what's going on on their Amazon business and it's not ad related at all. So, um, yeah, that the really solidifies the relationships. We've made great, great bonds through that. Um, also on the point of travel this year, you got some great speaking opportunities, namely speaking with Jeff Cohen from Amazon and garden of life's own Gabby. Um, so what, what were your, personal thoughts on on that big talk and your experiences getting to speak on some of the biggest stages it was amazing i think about the last year and i'm just filled with gratitude and it's hard to even consider how much we've all grown i mean we're sitting in can at can lions and one of the amazon executives is like do you have any brands that you think would be willing to speak on stage with you and alex and i look at each other and we're like 
100%, yes, we know, Gabby's ready to go. And I uh, get back to the hotel, and I'm like, Alex, Gabby's going to absolutely murder us. <laughs> but she went through with it, and it was absolutely incredible. And probably one of my favorite speaking events. Jeff Cohen is amazing. The event in itself is just incredible. I mean, there's such a wide scope of expertise walking through those hallways and having the whole team there is the coolest moment. I mean, we walked out on stage, I look up in all the better AMS and our orange jerseys lining the back wall. And I'm kind of like, why is everyone standing? Like what's going on back there? And it, you know, everyone came up and was like, Oh, your, your, um, speaking was actually, your talk was sold out. Basically there was people waiting outside the door. And having people come up and just be like, hey, you know, I followed you forever. I wanted to meet is such a humbling moment because everyone thinks it's easy, right? Or maybe they don't realize how much time and effort we've put into building content reputation. But I've been doing this for like seven years. I think my first LinkedIn post was six years ago. So we're just now seeing that pay off. And when you get to surround yourself with just incredibly knowledgeable people like Gabby and Jeff and be on that type of stage, you walk away of like, holy crap, there's so much more opportunity to space, so much more to learn. And I think that's been the most valuable thing with the speaking engagements and the events and the travel is just building our network. I mean, I can get a question from LinkedIn and I know someone in my network who can be like, hey, I have an expert here. I'll help you with that. And that's been a really cool moment, just feeling like you're not alone and building an amazing network of just entrepreneurs and experts. Yeah, I think we're, we're all realizing how big the Destiny with Sean following is since you've built such a, a big following over the, you know, the COVID years. And now you're finally getting out into to conference floors and, and on stages. And we're seeing like, wow, no, these these numbers are real people and, and it's filling this room and better AMS has nowhere to sit. And we're in the back of the room now, <laughs> um, which is a good problem. Not not complaining. It's a good problem. Uh, and one thing I'll, I'll mention is whether or not people know it, the, the likes, the comments and the kind messages go further than anyone realizes. Uh, we have a really incredible reputation in the space that we've worked really hard to protect, whether through culture or the style of clients we're working with. And we've built all of that through content education. Like we have never worked with a outbound system consistently. We've never really religiously invested in our performance marketing or anything like that because we just wanted to be really scrappy and content was our way to do that. So every time someone downloads a podcast episode or gives us a shout out on Facebook or LinkedIn, it means so much to us because that's what we've built our whole brand on. And it's really cool to start thinking, you know, what can we do with more people, more people understand the vision, the story, more likes, more comments, and it's going to help a lot of people. And that that's a cool moment. Yeah, absolutely. I remember, I remember standing next to you in, uh, at Unboxed in New York a couple months ago, and we had, you know, someone come up and just be like, I've, I've listened to your podcast before. I love the show. Like, keep it up. And we're like, who are you? I've never like, this is great to meet you. It's so cool. It was the coolest moment. And I think what made it even better is you and I were actually about to walk into a room hosted by Amazon and go interview the actual experts that were opening the keynote of Unboxed. So we had someone come up, not realizing quite who we were, or what we were doing. They were like, are you Destiny and Justin? You know, do you manage that podcast? And we we're like, yeah. And they gave us a shout out and we're two minutes away from walking in and interviewing the top executives of Amazon. Like that, that was definitely a highlight I would say for us. Yeah, that was an awesome feeling to to kind of get recognized, I guess, in the industry for for this podcast. So again, um, spread it, share it. Um, it really means the world. So 
Um, wanted to shift the topic now to like some client topics and, and kind of get in the weeds a little bit on ads. Um, looking back at conversations we've had with clients this year, what were some of the most prominent trends or topics that you felt emerged in client conversations this year? I feel like uh, the beginning of the year and last year was really focused around profitability. And we spent a lot of time educating the market, educating our clients on expectation setting and increasing competition. And then towards the middle of the year, I think Amazon also helped influence that conversation by giving us a lot of different targeting types and helping us invest in upper funnel opportunities. So we saw a lot of growth on the DSP side. We saw sponsor brands video open up to top of search, sponsor brands video open up to off platform, sponsor display, get a ton of different rollouts. And we're getting more and more of that, a lot more opportunity to build a brand, to work in creative and to move your way up the funnel without the investment that most people are familiar with, right? We have sponsored TV now, which allows us to open up ad console and run an ad on an external media network, commercial grade creative with no commitments, no minimums. Like all of that is insane, but it forced a lot of conversations. I would say again, with our ideal client and with the future of Amazon advertising of, Hey, it's no longer point click purchase, right? A lot of people are stuck in that mindset of customers click on my sponsored ad and buy immediately. No longer about that. We've got to start working in a much longer time frame and a much more upper funnel view of, hey, a customer is reading their Kindle and they're seeing your product and then they're walking through an aisle at Whole Foods and they may potentially walk through your aisle and then you're going to retarget them with a the DSP ad and then they're going to land on your page, right? I know you've been backing into this with a lot of some of the AMC insights you've been pulling and, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. So we're having to balance out all of those opportunities of, Hey, when should we invest in these assets? Do we have the AMC insights to make it make sense? And can the brand understand the expectations and investments? Absolutely. I'll reiterate everything you said. I feel like a lot of the conversations specifically on the back half of this year have related to creatives, whether it be, you know, the new generative AI that we can now create sponsor brand custom images or sponsor display custom images through. That's been a very recent topic, um, streaming TV, um, and then tying it all together with AMC is huge. So, um, and you, like you said, knowing when, like, just because Amazon's making this big push for brands to go up the funnel, doesn't mean that everyone's ready for it. You know, if you, if you aren't willing to potentially invest in DSP to retarget all those people seeing your quote unquote commercial on TV, you know, there's a big gap in your funnel. You're, you're going very heavy at bottom of the funnel and a little bit top of the funnel, but you're not getting them through that consideration phase. So that's a big topic of conversation is, is educating clients on, okay, great. We can now build, build a full funnel and we can do so at no minimums, like you said, but let's do it with data. Let's make sure we're filling the funnel at every stage. Um, so that's been a big topic of conversation, I'd say as well. And getting the internal shareholder buy-in. And that's something I would say, again, going back to our, our ideal client profile and how we've chosen to build our brand and our agency is making sure we build that trust. You know, we spend a lot of time on relationship building. We spend a lot of time presenting to clients, this is why we think this makes the most sense for your brand. And this is how we'd recommend deploying it in a way that mitigates risk. And that takes a lot of time, right? We get really close to our brands and figure out their long-term goals and objectives. And we spend a lot of time educating, which plays in really well to our content strategy, of course. Almost everyone on our team can hop on with a client and teach them 
about sponsored display and sponsored brands. But if you don't have that ad type understanding or strategic understanding, you're not going to be happy with the expectations if you don't understand the KPIs you're trying to back into. And we've spent a lot of work building that foundation. I would be a broken record saying don't measure every ad, ad type strategy with ROAS, but I will say it again, don't measure every ad type strategy with ROAS. Well, uh, we'll um, turn that to a micro piece of content, put it into a <laughs> reel and just play it on loop. <laughs> just keep that on loop when you walk into leadership's office. But uh, what were some of the biggest challenges, uh, or excuse me, challenging t- um, projects or like hands-on kind of like one-off tasks that we had to take on this year um, that either went great, went poorly? Like what were some of the biggest client projects that you remember from this year? I have a few clients that are top of mind. And if you're listening, you probably know who you are. Um, Justin and I work really close to some of those projects. Uh, I would say in all honesty, the thing I was most excited about, but one of the most difficult projects was the addition of AMC. AMC is a Pandora's box of opportunity. And we had a lot of brands reach out wanting to incorporate AMC. And then we had to have the conversation of, you're not even utilizing your search appropriately. You're not even expanding a sponsored brand, sponsored display. So yes, AMC is amazing in itself, but you need to clean up this area of your business first. So that was probably a really big addition to the complexity of our level of service was AMC. And another thing I would say is just making sure we had the operational capabilities to keep up with all of the additions this year. You know, a lot of people have a bid management software and a keyword research harvesting software. Uh, Not a lot of people have the operations and or systems and or in-house software like we do to make these functions scalable. So we have quite a few brands with over 20,000 SKUs. How you create a sponsored product ad, sponsored brand ad, sponsored display ad, and then strategic campaigns around organic rank, awareness, brand defense, conquesting is not easy. So I think we did a really good job this year with all the work you, Dustin, and Adam um, had on your plate to not only make sure we're achieving this for individual one-off projects and brands, but building it into our internal systems and technology so that way it's scalable for all of our brands. Yeah, I would definitely say that set us up for really good success, at least next year and and heading towards our ideal client, referring back to what we talked about earlier, is all these systems that really helps us make make a visualization, so to speak, of the full funnel and understanding where budget is going, where one KPI leads to another. You know, if we're we're not seeing the ROAS on this campaign, but click-through rate is super strong, where does that then go to at the bottom of the funnel? Like I think we have the the data, the systems now in place where we're having those conversations intelligently and we're not just saying, I, d- I don't know, we'll go find the data. A hundred percent. And being able to report on that as well, because a lot of brands, you know, have the struggle if they log into their advertising console and maybe they don't understand the nomenclature an agency or software is running and their reporting is one view of ROAS conversion, CPC, click through rate for the whole account, right? We really work to build out the segmentation that you led for a lot of our brands in a way that could then be translated to clients. So whether it's working into their internal categorization or their internal reporting structures, we're able to adjust our campaign naming and tagging system to then go to them and say, Hey, you know, 
your tier one products or your um, category within this product, your newly launched products are performing here for this strategy, but here for this strategy. And once brands felt that they actually understood what we were doing because they could see it within their own segmented reporting, it helped us lead strategy because then they had a lot more trust. It wasn't just, we're running at a $5 row as everything's good, you know, give us more money. Yeah, we we try as hard as we can to not make it a black box and explain where your budget is going, where spend is going, and why it's performing the way it is. Um, off the professional side, onto the personal side, as we talked about, we like to, you know, dive into the the personal growth areas as well and talk about personal life with clients. Uh, what were some of your biggest, you know, growth moments personally this year? How do you feel like you've evolved as a leader? <sighs> it was a tough year. And the most positive thing to really happen to me this year, and this was driven through a lot of our events and a lot of the networking we've done, was I built an incredible circle of people I trust from an advisor level, from a friendship level, and I was really able to up my personal network. And the reason that's made such a big difference for me is because entrepreneurship can be really lonely. I mean, this is what I'm doing all day, every day. I hit a point at the beginning of the year where I was traveling every two weeks. And then I was coming home and I was so burnt out from talking to people at said events that I wouldn't talk to anyone back home for seven to 14 days. So really starting to build a stronger network and establish friendships with some of the people I respect the most in the space helps me because I had people that understood what I was going through. They understood the mental highs, the lows, the burnout and all of that. And that forced a lot of growth on my end, right? When you're surrounded by people that are always doing 20 times what you're doing and that you look up to, it really helps increase your drive and helps with, again, that level of understanding. So I would say that's probably one of the biggest personal development factors. And then on the flip side, internally with the team, I was really challenged with letting go and just trusting. Actually, it wasn't a challenge at all. Um, You all made it incredibly, incredibly easy, but you read all the books and they say, you know, that's one of the biggest variables is starting to let go of the things that you love and letting others do it. And we got lucky and happened to hire the right people to make that as seamless as it could be with all the chaos in the business. So a lot of growth as an entrepreneur and not just the Amazon advertising expert that I was siloed in for the last few years. Absolutely. I, I want to go back to the networking side of things. And I think that's, it's super important for your mental health to like surround yourself with people who understand where you're at, where you're headed, what your goals are. Uh, I mean, people being an entrepreneur takes a ton of time. Like you said, like you can't give every night of your week to your, your best friends, like you got things to do. So like having that understanding, I'm sure makes it much more easy to balance it all. Um, and yeah, I need to learn that more about letting go of, of things and, and projects and trusting. I think that's always going to be a work in progress for, for all of us, a types, but, um, any source of inspiration on this courses, books, other podcast leaders, where, where did you take some of your points from in terms of personal growth? A lot of books. Um, absolutely a lot of books in a ton of different topics. Um, small giants was a fantastic one. I'm looking at my desk. No rules. Rules is one that we constantly reference internally when it comes to culture building. 
How to Win Friends and Influence People, always one of my favorites. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, always one of my favorites. Those are the ones that I think really helps me build the foundation and the principles. And then I found that although all these books cover amazing principles, it's really difficult to cover what the digital age has done culturally and socially to the environment that we're in. And that's where I think having other mentors in this space, I'll give a huge shout out to Melissa Burdick from PackView. Uh, absolutely incredible having someone like that in my network who uh, just embraces feminine leadership and has built her reputation as, you know, one of the best tech solution providers in our space. And she, she's just been incredible, just strictly an inspiration. I could reach out to her at any point in time. If I have any questions in regards to small things that we're dealing with, you know, adjusting our pricing model, preventing churn, all of those small details, I can reach out to her and so many others in the space as well. I'm sure a lot of my friends, you know, that I've built through my entrepreneur network are actually tired of all my voice memos of like, this is happening in the business. But it's been really nice being able to reach out to them and handle all of these specific scenarios that we're constantly running into. We want to give the flowers to the people that are keeping keeping destiny afloat. So so thank you to everyone keeping our, our, our leader strong. Um, <laughs> on the point for any CEOs listening or other you know business leaders, I mean, where did you find that balance between work-life balance? Um, and, and what do you recommend to other CEOs, business leaders? Work-life balance? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of it. Never heard of that. You know, I think uh, understanding your long-term goals is a huge one. In the beginning, everyone always asks me what I want to achieve. And I was like, I don't know. Like, there's so much opportunity out there. I don't know what the hell is possible. And I hated that question, you know, uh, private equity firms would reach out, you know, other agencies looking for acquisition. Like, what are you trying to achieve? What, what is your goal here? Like, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm young. I feel like you know, that could change in three to five years. So I started reframing the question of what do I not want? What do I not want to happen? And there were a few things that were just really easy to identify. I don't want to, sacrifice my mental health for the growth of the company. Uh, that's something that I'm always trying to be really careful of with myself and with the team. Cause if I burn out and the team burns out, we're not going to achieve anything. So mental health is a really big one that has came up pretty frequently. Another one is I, I don't want to sacrifice our reputation for revenue, right? That was another one that we talked about earlier. I want to make sure we're providing amazing service, have amazing relationships in the space and not let our reputation go downhill for the sake of growing really quickly in a short period of time. And I want to be in the space for a while. I think that was the biggest change we had over the last year is really starting to understand I want to build something that's longstanding three, five, 10 years from now. And when you start looking at things from a wider lens, all of the short-term difficulties kind of melt away. It's like, okay, this is actually something that needs to happen for the growth of the company. So I would highly, highly recommend to anyone dealing with like work-life balance issues or the stress and overwhelm of considering what the next years look like, don't just focus on what you want to achieve because that can be a never ending staircase of chasing accomplishments that don't fill you with happiness and instead really identify, Hey, you know, what are you not willing to sacrifice? What do you not want to happen? Cause that makes that conversation a lot easier and it helps start carving away the things that you should avoid. Taking some points for that, just me personally. Um, I think it's super important. Like you said, to have a vision, I think the vision of where you're headed helps you un 
ignore all that shiny object syndrome and all those details that we all get distracted by day to day. And that's what eats into work-life balance, I think, is sticking to what's most important each and every day, what, what gets you closer to your goal, rather than spending five hours on something you just discovered and doesn't really matter and won't matter two years from now. Um, so I'll, t- I'll say that's something I've certainly learned and, again, still improving on is is sticking to that vision and cutting out the, the nonsense. The noise, yes. So much noise. I mean, that's probably the downside of a lot of uh, my network being built on LinkedIn is I log into LinkedIn to make a post and I see 10 other people that are 20 times more successful than me. And my first thought is like, we're not doing enough. Like we got to do more. I, I can't, I can't afford to go to dinner tonight. I need to work. Like I need to do the, all these things to keep up and like chase that journey. And that's why I recommend, like, it's not all about chasing the next goals and objectives. Those are great for accountability. I must say that was a weakness that we had is, you know, we weren't very accountable to what our goals were, but also on the flip side, it can be a dangerous game to get into. Cause you're always trying to compare yourself to everyone else and compete and compete. And that's not always a good thing. Exactly. Um, yeah. The compare, what is it? Comparison is the thief of joy. Isn't that the, the phrase? Yes. Um, that's another quote. You're just, I'm going on all these like spiels and Justin's hopping in here with like 10 second sound bites that are going to go viral. And just giving y'all the, the, the headlines here. Well, I mean, looking forward to 2024, I mean, that, that was a lot on 2023. Um, what can you say at this point is the vision for us in 2024? Any exciting plans uh, or goals that we want to share or reveal yet? I, I don't know if anyone can see our faces. And hopefully these videos get posted. You never know with uh, what we're utilizing here. But we got we got that raised eyebrow because we got some secrets. We got some surprises under our belts. I've never been so excited for a year, if we're being honest. I... I don't know what it's been about this last year. And I think it's really like, I, I thrive when I'm surrounded by a bunch of high energy people. And I think that's, that's what's made us successful. And that's what makes me so excited for next year, but we're going to do some big things. I think uh, we're really going to be pushing a lot in the content, the education side that's driven our company to this day. And we don't want to slow down on that, you know, bigger and better on the podcast, more content on LinkedIn, connecting with the right individuals, bringing more of our network into a lot of our content as well as potentially a new look, you know, we're, we're still going to have the nice air force ones, probably some cool jerseys, but we're, we're going to be getting a little bit of a facelift, which I think is really exciting. And as well, just making a splash in the space. Uh, I've held us back from growth, I think because of my expectations and my standards for how we're doing business. And I think I've finally been able to let go of some of that. And I think it's going to be a really big year. And uh, I have no, no doubt we're all going to have a lot of personal development, a lot of growth, and I'll leave it at that. I'm very excited for next year. I, I will second that. Don't want to spoil any, any exciting news, but it will be a really big year for us. And um, yeah, I'm super confident in the team around us and, and, you and Alex leading us, I think we're in a really good spot for next year. Um, I mean, lastly, what are your personal goals or aspirations for, for next year? Not to, not to make New Year's resolutions. I don't want to call it that. But what are some personal goals for Destiny next year in 2024? I, I would say uh, to really magnify my personal development and growth. That's something I'm really excited about. And I think the company's in a space to allow me to really do that. Um, 
sometimes as, again, as an entrepreneur, you're always caught up in like being really reactive of like, I need to get this done. I need to get this done. But we're getting to a place of being able to take back a little bit of control and be a little bit more proactive. So I think a lot of growth on my end, also moving to Florida, uh, we'll continue to have a really strong home base, of course, in Bentonville, especially as we start building our network and some of our Walmart relationships. But I can't do the winters. We, we got to go somewhere warmer. I need some summer. Uh, so really excited about that and just embracing change and fear. I think that's been a really small lesson I've learned in the last year is if I'm afraid to do something and there's a lot of discomfort, there's going to be growth on the other end of it. I can think of countless times in the last 12 months where I've stayed up till midnight panicking about something. And then I showed up, whether it's a speaking event or something along those lines. And the next day I was like, holy crap, that was the best thing I could have ever done. So I decided to embrace that this year. And we've made a lot of really huge bets, whether it's me moving 19 hours away to a state I've never lived in and just saying, screw it, we're going all in. Or with some of the surprises and announcements that are going to come with the company. It's you know, growth and success and happiness is just on the other side of fear and discomfort. So we're, we're embracing that mentality in 2024. There's the first uh, one-liner we got. It's about to have time. <laughs> I, uh, no, I, I can, I can vouch for you. I've personally seen you grow a lot in the, in the face of like uncertainty, ambiguity, fear, even like you said, just, you're like, let's send it, let's go. And, and I, I don't know whether that's the confidence in the team or yourself or where that stems from, but like I've seen you grow on that a lot. And I think that's what we can attribute a lot of our better AMS growth to is, is your just willingness to say, let's try it. <laughs> let's figure it out. We got to, that's going to be our new tagline at this point is like, figure it the F out. <laughs> Nike was onto something when they said, just do it. Yes. Yes. And we all know how, well, you and I are big fans of Nike. So I would love everyone to maybe if we post this on LinkedIn, like, Drop your comments. What is your favorite shoe and why is it Air Force Ones? And who wants custom better AMS Air Force Ones? <laughs> also, Phil Knight, if you're listening, you're welcome to come on anytime. Yes, that that's a great <laughs> Everyone, please tag him in the comments. We're going to see what we can make happen on this podcast. <laughs> With the last question here, before we conclude, do you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom as people now look ahead to their 2024, look back on their year? Um in year-end self-reflections, any words of wisdom for, for listeners? I love this time of year because it forces a level of gratitude and acknowledgement for everything you have accomplished and everything you will accomplish. And I would challenge everyone to sit down and truly just spend some time thinking about how much you've grown or the struggles you've overcome in the last year and use that to ground yourself in gratitude uh, it's cheesy, but it really helps you think about everything that we have and everything that we've grown and all of those, you know, difficulties that we face in life. It's, it's fine. Um, you're, you're going to overcome it. Like I have absolutely no doubt. And with that being said, again, I want to give such a big shout out to everyone who's went out of their way to help us, to follow us, to engage. Um, I am always, you know, waking up like so thankful for this community and everything that we've built. And this time of year, I think, just really forces that. And that's a cool place to be. I couldn't have said it better. So, I mean, cheers to 2023. Cheers to an even better 2024. And uh, yeah, I think we could leave it there. Yes. And thank you all for listening. And let us know if you have any cool New Year's resolutions that we should consider incorporating. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Thank you all so much for listening. We will see you next year. And on that note, cheers. Cheers.